0: This is Jack from Dead Poet Society, and you're listening to Concert Crap.
1: All right, welcome to another edition of the Concert Crap podcast. I'm your host, editor, and producer, Chris Ventura. We've got another great show for you today. First up, Scott Raymer is here with the 80s track of the week. He'll be examining Olivia Newton-John's 1980s chart-topping hit, Physical, including some insight into the music video as well. Sam Kerrigan is back with an update from the country music world in her Country Music Minute. And with our headliner today, it's our own Allie Nast. She'll be here with an exclusive interview with Jack from Dead Poet Society. Now, it's definitely a fun and in-depth interview coming up. you want to stay tuned for that. First up on today's show, it's the 80s track of the week. And with that, here's Scott.
2: Hi, this is Scott, and welcome to another 80s track of the week. This week's song is Physical by Olivia Newton-John. I remember growing up as a kid and being over at a friend's house one day, Uh, being down in his bedroom, and he had all sorts of albums thrown all over his room. I was looking around, and I saw an album cover for Come On Over, which was the first time that I'd actually seen a picture of Olivia Newton-John, and I immediately fell in love with her at first sight. She was probably my biggest crush growing up as a teen, and to be honest, uh, she's 72 now, and I'm still crushing on her. I've had a chance to see Olivia twice in concert, the first being in, I think it was 1983, in Clarkston, Michigan, just outside of Detroit at Pine Knob, which was her physical tour. And then 20 years later, in Grand Rapids at the Van Andel Arena, Olivia Newton-John was born in the UK, but immigrated to Australia when she was six with her family. Her grandfather was Max Born, who actually won the Nobel Prize for Physics. She has won four Grammys, had five number one songs on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, 27 top 40 songs, and 10 number one songs on the U.S. Adult Contemporary chart. Olivia Newton-John's career path, I think, is, is real similar to what you've seen with, happen with Taylor Swift. Her initial success was as a country singer, but then later transitioned into a pop star. For the beginning part of her career, she had kind of the, the good girl image which was symbolic of what you saw in in the movie Grease where she starts off as as innocent Sandy and then when it gets to the end of the movie then you know she becomes this this hot sexy woman in in the black leather pants and the black leather jacket and that was symbolic of really what happened with her career starting off as the girl next door and then gradually becoming more and more sexy with Grease the ending of Grease and then with her album, Totally Hot, and then really culminating with Physical Album. The Physical song was the first song off of her Physical Album. It was written by Steve Kipner and Terry Shattuck. The song was originally offered to Rod Stewart, who turned the song down, and then subsequently offered Tina Turner, who also turned the song down. Eventually, the song ended up with Olivia Newton-John, and this ended up being her biggest song ever, and one of the top songs of all time. Spent 10 weeks at number one, which was the second longest span at number one up until that time, and was the best-selling single of the 1980s in the U.S. In 2008, the song was named number six on Billboard's top 100 chart for its first 50 years, and in 2010, Billboard named it the sexiest song of all time. The song was probably the most sexually suggestive song up until that point in time. In fact, it was censored and even banned by several radio stations, particularly stations out in the Utah and conservative countries around the world because of its sexual nature. With lyrics like Let's get physical, let me hear your body talk and nothing left to talk about unless it's horizontally. I took As sexy as the song was, the video for physical was probably even sexier. I remember the first time seeing Olivia perform the song. It was actually on a series called Solid Gold, which was kind of a precursor to things like MTV. This was before MTV launched. And to, to see musical artists perform other than live in concert, you know, there were really very few places on TV to see these performers. You had Solid Gold was one, and then maybe shows like Midnight Special, and then maybe the Light Night talk shows with Johnny Carson. And, and that was basically the extent of being able to see these artists. So I remember seeing her perform physical for the first time on Solid Gold, and it, it was very similar to the video that was released where she came out in a, a really tight leotard, exercising, doing leg lifts, and and all sorts of different types of exercises. The, the video itself was actually the first one played on the Beavis and Butthead series where they would have little videos pop up during their show. Probably my favorite video during the entire 1980s. The video starts out with Olivia in a gym with a bunch of overweight men. She's wearing a white and turquoise and purple tight leotard with a white headband. She starts putting the men through various exercises and exercises along with them, doing leg lifts and bending over, looking very provocative. And after a while, she goes in to take a shower. And when she comes back, the men have all turned into ripped hunks. She starts flirting with them, touching them, and bending them over into different positions. And in the end, they end up walking out in pairs, basically being gay. Homosexuality was still kind of taboo back in 1981. So MTV actually cut the ending of the video during their airplay trying to cut down on a controversy originally olivia actually tried to stop the video from being released because she thought it would actually hurt her image but in reality it did you know really the opposite It, it turned her into um you know one of the biggest sex symbols in the world and you know her career you know really took off at that point for for the next several years when the producers made the video they actually set the scene in a gym and a workout to actually try to steer away from the the sexual nature of the of the lyrics to try to divert attention a little bit from that. But obviously they weren't very successful in that strategy because, as I stated, Billboard named it its sexiest song of all time in 2010. Olivia ended up making a video album for all the songs off of her physical album, which ended up winning a Grammy for Best Video of the Year. I actually still have the video for that. I think it's actually not even VHS, it was actually Betamax. And, you know, unfortunately, (laughs) I, I, I don't possess a Betamax video recorder at this time but luckily you can see all these videos from the album on YouTube that's it for this week I hope you'll join me next time for another 80s track of the week
3: It's Sam here with your Country Music Minute. Some good news for Russell Dickerson as he reaches his fourth number one song on country radio. Morgan Wallen's making some noise after a quick hiatus by dropping a short film for Seven Summers, but that wasn't the only thing he was making some noise about. After seeing some large gatherings for football games, he decided to speak on his Instagram stating, the hypocrisy is unreal. If you don't agree with me, fine. We can still be friends, but I have a family, band, and crew that need to be provided for and taken care of. If it's okay for us to party in the streets with no social distancing, then we can book shows right now. As you can tell, he was pretty upset in how the music industry is being treated, but he wasn't alone in this feeling. Brian Kelly of Florida Georgia Line chimed in saying, Knew we were waiting on the election since March when this shit show started. Time to get back to work, America. Booking shows ASAP. Along with Chris Lane's story referring to a video of a large gathering, This can happen, yet we can't have concerts. Legit makes no sense. People are partying in the streets everywhere in this country, yet we can't have concerts. Brutal. That same video was then referenced by Chase Rice, who kept it short and sweet, stating Great news, y'all. Concerts are coming back. And of course Michael Ray had to chime in as well with So it looks like we can go back on tour, right? Artists and not just from the country genre are getting heated with the way things are being handled and with good reason. So what do you think? Should concerts come back in full swing? Should we take it easy and keep venues shut down? Or should we find an alternative besides the drive-ins? That's all for this week. I'm Sam with your Country Music Minute. Hey
4: guys, this is Allie from Concert Crap here. I am so excited because I am here with one of my favorite band members. I've got Jack from Dead Poet Society. How are you doing today? good how are you I am good so let's get on into this um do it you guys had so much going for you um, before COVID happened you had mm-hmm. tour with Bad Flower you had your shows at South Southwest that got canceled your shows in Arizona got canceled yeah. how you guys were on a roll that must have sucked so how do you feel like that both negatively and positively affected
0: the band it's kind of interesting because. Uh, you know, when okay, so we played one show out of that entire run we were supposed to do with um South by Southwest and the shows leading out that we played in San Diego. That was the one show we did. And it was like that was the day that everything was popping off. And you go on Twitter and he's canceling our shows. So, ah, uh, I wouldn't feel right if we played Arizona. So we decided last minute call to cancel there. And um it's like a blessing and a curse, I'd say. You know? Because it's cool I mean, it would have been cool to play South by Southwest, obviously, you know, to get <laughs> of like course. official stages in there and whatnot. But I mean it gave us a lot of time, like a lot of time, pretty much all the time, to finish up the album and get that done. And, you know, we've been working on this album now for two years. I mean, it's all done now and we're, you know, in the in the So close. Years are turning. The gears are turning and we're ready to go. But like I don't think that if COVID hadn't happened, and I'm trying to put a positive spin on it somehow, is that, you know, we wouldn't, maybe the album would have taken even longer, you know, because it took, I mean, it's pretty much a full-time job. You have to work on it every day because nobody's going to make you do it. Of and course. <laughs> um and uh, I think one positive thing that came out of it as well is that at that one show we played in San Diego, I met my now girlfriend and, you know, oh. we've been together for seven months and it's awesome and I love her very much. So I guess that was a positive because if we had played those shows and gone on to South by Southwest and everything, I would have never hung out with her, you know. Wouldn't that's
4: have a Hell yeah, that's a huge plus. Your girlfriend seems like she is one of the coolest fucking girls
0: ever. So oh, she's props. total fucking badass.
4: Beautiful and just like a cool person. So you lucked yeah, out. Yeah, Nicely done. Very, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I lucked out very, very that's, much. So
4: that's awesome. So going back, um, you did that tour with Badflower with Weathers. You guys kind mm-hmm. of—it seemed like you guys had a cult following almost because yeah. I know there were so many people that, that were going to so many different shows. They learned every single song by you guys, by Weathers, by Bad Flower. How mm-hmm. was
0: that? Like, what was that like just to be a part of that such a fun, exciting tour? Oh, well, it was the first time. I mean, not the first time officially, but that was definitely the longest tour. Sorry, largest tour we'd ever done. And uh, seeing Bad Flowers, this community of their fans that are just so diehard and loyal, coming to us and being like oh if bad flower thinks these guys are cool then we think these guys are cool and out of that we've gotten some die hard fans and it's so cool. one of them <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's so cool being a part of that I mean it's just like you have people sending you mail and you know like actual mail like sending pictures and like letters and being like thank you so much for this it's I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so cool having these people just, just love you, you guys them <laughs> through the music. Yeah, you connect yeah. With them yeah. through the music that you wrote. They felt something from it, and now you share this connection between them. And it's just like a, it's like a family. It's like a, yeah, like a cult <laughs> that's that's growing, and uh, it's really cool.
4: And I do. I want to kind of, ad- or compliment the band. I guess you guys are so active with your fans. And mm-hmm. I know I appreciate it. Any other fans that I have talked to, we appreciate it. But that's just something, I think it's really special. You're on first name basis with some of your fans. And yeah. not a lot of people can say that. So I think that that's a really cool thing. On that note, I have yeah. to ask for my girl, Tina.
0: Hmm. <laughs> do, you know, do you think you have an idea what I'm going to ask you? <laughs> I said, I, let me guess. It has something pertaining to our song, Natalia.
4: Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you ever going to play it live?
0: Um, you know what? I like to keep things mysterious. So let's just say it may show up in the future. It may not. I don't know. You know, we got, we have the songs that we love to play and songs. We've only played Natalia once live. Really? So then, okay. Question for you. When you
4: are writing your music, I know, say some of my favorite bands, I have favorite songs that I have never heard live. I know I never will hear live. Do you guys... I mean, when you're writing your music, do you think, okay, how is this going to sound on a CD player or through the speakers? Or do you think, okay, this is going to just hit so hard when we're playing it live? Is there kind of one that outweighs the other or is it just
0: whatever works? It's a toss-up. I mean, it's a toss-up, honestly, because like, I don't think we ever set into a song having an expectation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we let the art guide the art for it. And if something's going to be recorded and played on an album or it's a single or something you want to put every bit of your effort into making sure that that recording sounds good. You know, everything that comes through, comes through. And, and you can't really set expectations of like, well, this kind of doesn't sound as great on the recording, but it'll, but it sounds awesome live. It's like, no, you kind of have to figure out how to get both of those to hit. Mm -hmm. And you know, whether that comes down to, having backing tracks live or um recording things differently you can't really you just you want to stay true to the art and if what your objective is is to record something then make it sound as best as possible and worry about the live later or if you play something live and it sounds amazing but it's not coming through in the recording then um then figure out what you need to do to get that sound to come mm-hmm. through and you know it's it's a constant learning process you know we We've worked with producers before but I'd say like the majority of music that we create we produce ourselves and mix ourselves. Um, I can't wait to talk about who we got to mix this last album cuz uh, he's fucking awesome and uh, I'm really May I ask is, that, uh, is it... Yeah, I don't know if I can say yet. Oh! I don't know if I can say yet. But, but but I think I know. Oh, do you? I think I might. Okay, you want to have a guess? Uh
4: C A? I mean C L? Mm, 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 oh mm. Nope, okay nope.
0: different guy different guy but that was my guess um, i'm out <laughs> you'll be uh it was kind of a dream to work with this guy because he's he mixed one of our favorite bands and my favorite album of all time so
4: that's okay so yeah. i'm not gonna ask you because i want it to kind of be as much as i want to pry i want to let that be a secret so that's fine that well, is, it was,
0: I get it. if they're a fan <laughs> of our band, they want to shoot some you know, ideas, yeah. some guesses, this way, you we'll know, my favorite band, my favorite album, That Mixer.
4: Oh, I think I might have another guess. Okay. Because you guys are big nothing but thieves fans. We are. Does that eh, whatever. We'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Um well I guess since I brought up nothing but thieves and you guys mm. are such big fans of them. And do you guys are they a musical inspiration to you guys for with what you guys yeah I
0: mean I would say so I mean we are we're inspired by a lot of these bands that are are um, kind of paving the way for this kind of new wave of rock that's coming through, making things sound you know interesting and different and giving rock some life again because it died for a while yes. you know and, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say I mean most bands that we, um, we're inspired by a lot of modern bands a lot of our I guess I mean, I guess you would we're a lot smaller than nothing but these, way smaller than nothing but these, but I guess they they're in the same age range, so peers almost. but um, I would say the majority of my personal musical influence comes from Royal Blood. Ooh, good choice. Because I'm fucking I love them, hint. And
4: yeah. uh, <laughs> Oh Thank you.) And, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love what they do. I love all their songs, you know. My girlfriend yeah. and I are constantly blasting their album. Good Yeah, choice. I think I think in general though, all of these new bands like Cleopatra, Royal Blood, Nothing But Thieves, Um Bad For Grandson too. Grandson as well. Yeah, grandson's fucking killing it. Um, they all are going for something. They're they're all diving into these veins that people didn't know existed for rock. Yeah. I, and mm-hmm. And for a while it kind of felt like you had your black keys and imagine dragons. And those were the bands. Those were like the two bands, maybe 21 pilots as well. The two, like three rock bands that kind of existed throughout the, the, you know, decade of 2010 to 2020. But, you know, it's just kind of all kind of rock turned into this stomp clap fucking target commercial bullshit. And it was cool (laughs) that it was cool when imagine dragons did it because it was innovative. And then everybody was just like, "Oh fuck, this shit sinks a lot." Let's just, you know, write, you know, we'll take tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> you know, like that. It's just like, oh, like this isn't saying shit. And I think that that's been a a big motivator for people who love rock and mm-hmm. wanted to start creating. And so, like Cleopatra and Nothing But Thieves and all those bands are are saying something and doing mm-hmm. something, and we want to be a part of that, and we're trying to be a part of it.
4: I love that. So you guys released your new single into deep last month. Were you guys expecting all of that success? You got put on so many different playlists. You had so many different articles written about you guys. Like that was pretty exciting. So how, what was that like?
0: Um, it's, I mean, it's really fucking awesome. Big shout out to Allie Hagendorf for doing that. Hagendorf, I think it's pronounced, but, um, yeah, she's been, She's been uh, she curates all the Spotify playlists, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just really appreciative that she loves our music and and is willing to kind of you know help you guys out her reputation. On. <laughs> and, yeah, to put us in these playlists, it's fucking awesome. And we have a great team at uh, Spine Farm, the label that we just signed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those guys over there are just they're so fucking cool, and and we're quickly becoming very good friends. And they're feeling more like a family and it's just awesome to have this team behind us pushing and believing in us so hard. So um so In Too Deep is it's doing really well and I'm really excited about it. And it's thanks to all of these people that just, you know, are believe passionate guys. about our music. Yeah, yeah, believe in us. You guys are
4: good. You're definitely going places. So yeah. new single coming out November twelfth. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. tell us anything about it? Is it going to be different from In Deep? Do we get kind of a similar sound?
0: Well, let's say this. Okay, so um, so since this is coming out on November 11th, I can talk about this. But we're going to be re-releasing Coda. Oh, mm-hmm. because that's exciting. We felt, that, we felt that that song has a lot of potential and uh, didn't really get to truly see the light of day. So we wanted to re-release that one and we remixed it. So it sounds way fucking better. Doesn't sound like the shitty fucking mix that we did two and a half (laughs) years ago. Um, And uh, we're releasing a music video with it as well. This, uh, where you guys were filming
4: recently, where good old Will lit the piano on fire and we got that beautiful, just, ah!
0: Yes, yes. so good. Reaction of the year on Dylan's story. My God, that was great. So much I'm hot. really excited for that, that this music video, we actually just shot it out in the desert a couple of days ago. And, um, it's, I, it's just like, I'm really excited for it because the visual art of it is really coming together. A lot of, a lot of the shots turned out exactly the way we wanted to see them in our heads. And, um, and going back to the, staying true to the art of it, mm-hmm. music videos, I, I don't feel like they're as important anymore, but it's still something that we love to do just because mm-hmm. if you create um, a great visual, it can help people who are listening to the music for the first time, get the vibe of what they're supposed to be feeling when they hear the song. That you know? is very true. Totally. Yeah. And totally. so when it comes out the way you want it in your head, then, then you're, you know, you're on the right track Into too deep didn't come out exactly the way we wanted it to okay that one ended up being a little bit more of like a um a standard kind of music video Mm -hmm. and it looks great and jordan wolfbauer who is our uh who was our dp director editor guy did a fucking phenomenal job i think it came down to mostly our skill set as far as Writing a script goes and then our ability to execute that vision. We learned a lot from that music video. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of going back to what we do best as far as music videos go. And that is a very, very basic concept and try to do it in a unique way.
4: Oh, I like that.
0: Instead of writing a script and trying to put a story together.
4: So when, for your music videos, is it the band coming up with the concept or do you guys have Jordan coming up with the concept or kind of a mixture of everybody?
0: We generally come up with the concept and then we pitch it to Jordan and then Jordan helps us along. So he's kind of like in a way a producer. So he, he will, will pitch in the idea, tell him about it. And he goes, "Oh, okay, well, what if we did this differently? Let's do this. I see how we can get this done. You know, we need something more interesting here. Like, blah, 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 blah. And then it just becomes a collaborative effort.
4: Okay. That makes sense. I love it. And he seems like just such a fun, well, the fact that both you guys and Badflower, you get all of your crew, you get your friends together to do your videos. One, I think it makes it more comfortable for the artist because you're surrounded by people that you already know. But Mm -hmm. two, I think it also just, like you said, the idea can be executed better because you're working with people who know your vision, know kind of where you want to go. And Mm -hmm. you guys have been coming up with some really great stuff because of it. So I'm all here for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really does come down to finding that team to really work with you because it is always such a risk working with somebody for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then if you're working with somebody for the first time, every single time, it's like, There's not that comfortability where you can be like, that sucks, don't put that in there, or Mm -hmm. we need to change this. You know, you're like trying to be polite because you're trying to get to know the person, but at the same time you have this vision and you don't know if they line up. But if somebody knows what you sound like, they know how you think, they know how you work, the more you do that, the tighter you become.
4: Yeah, very true. So I guess my next question, being the front man of a band, how Mm -hmm. much are we really seeing like true jack's personality and how much of it is stage jack
0: i would say it's it's pretty true i, I would say you know like being a frontman. oddly enough is like being comfortable and being yourself on stage is mm. weirdly a skill okay because it's like you are really trying to hone the skill of just being in the moment and saying whatever comes to your head and and getting into the music and just being able to draw everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it as everybody should always be trying to get better at something, you know, oh, of course. And, uh, and it helps a lot to be on the road with bands that are way better than you because it makes <laughs> you really fucking work. And that's say you know, seeing Josh on stage, he's just so captivating Yeah. and it's inspiring. And it pushes me to work harder because it's like when you're an opening band, you know, as bad as it sounds, you're trying to fucking steal the show. You're trying to be like, because nobody wants to see a fucking opening band. You get there and you're just like, you get there early because you want a good spot, you know? (laughs) And you're just like, all right, cool. Now start the timer of this hour and a half that I have to wait for Bad Fowler to come on stage or whoever you're seeing, and let's just fucking get these bands over with. So you're starting from this low position of like, especially if you're opening up the show like we did, where it's just like, nobody's drunk yet. (laughs) you know nobody wants to fucking hear you because they don't see they don't know who you are they're here to see bad flower or whatever band you're seeing and so you have to you have to really push (laughs) and you want the goal is to do better than the headliner you know totally and uh i mean as bad as it sounds that's what it is and so that's why it's so great going out on the road with bands that are way better than you like fucking bad flower and weathers it's just like they're just good. You know, they're just so good that you just feel the pressure of like, I can't be the disappointment here.
4: Yeah. Oh, totally. But you have yeah. never disappointed me whenever I've seen, so. Oh, you <laughs> Thank, you.
0: Thank you very much.
4: Oh, of course. Um, so I guess since, like I said, you with the tour, the whole cult thing with Bad Flower, Dead Poet Society, Weathers, since you guys have been compared so much to Bad Flower, what do you guys think is more different? Or thats that... Is that- differentiates you in bad flower masonically anyway
0: okay um that's an interesting question uh i would say that their music um their music is uh how would you say this they're very very we're we're both melody driven bands (laughs) Their band, their arrangements are always so interesting and in how like they're they're more chordal and less riffy, but they focus really heavily on hits. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get these really interesting syn- synced up rhythms. And these kind of like they cut meters short and add meters somewhere, and it's 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 very interesting. So I think that's a big place where we do differ is like we're much more riff driven. Um, and not as many chords Mm
4: -hmm.
0: and, um, but I don't know. I mean, it might change. I don't don't know. Fucking Josh is such a good melody writer. Like it's, it's fucking stupid how good he is. And so I think, I think, I mean, they're definitely better than us there. (laughs) So I guess, I mean, yeah, it's different. It's different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say they have a very broad appeal, but still very unique. Mm Yeah. That
4: makes sense. I I totally believe it. And now for you, Mr. Jack. You mm-hmm. have one of the most beautiful falsetto voices I have heard a male use. Oh. Um,
0: <laughs> thank you. What is your vocal range? What is my vocal range? You know, I've never actually tested it before. You I went mean, to Berkeley and you didn't test your vocal range? Come on. No. Well, <laughs> I guess I did. I guess I did, but I didn't really ever like super push it because I actually went to Berkeley for guitar. Okay. And about halfway through, a little more than halfway through, I switched the vocal because mm-hmm. I was sitting in a blues lab one day, which is basically, you know, 10 guitarists sitting in a circle and learning new riffs, riffs and licks and whatnot. Basically, like it's it's um, for me, it was kind of hell on earth, but it was like <laughs> it was, it was all these people trying to out solo each other. Ugh, it's just so cringy to me. But um, I was watching everybody take a solo. And they were going around the room and each, and I was last in line, you know, and everybody was taking a solo and it got to the guy right before me. And I just hit me. I was like, I fucking suck at guitar. What am I doing? Why am I in this class? And so right after that class, I went straight to the, um, straight to the Berkeley missions, fucking, whatever. Uh, principal department or whatever it's called and switched my, <laughs> switch my principal to vocal. And I took two vocal lessons, one with this woman named Janie Barnett. And she was the one that tested my vocal range. And I can't remember what it was, but it's, I mean, I can sing really high. I cannot sing low. My, okay. When I start getting into the lower range, I've just never practiced it. So when we sing songs like uh, American Blood, mm-hmm. it, it's the lower stuff that kills me. It's right. so much harder for me because I don't know how to control my breath at that low of a register.
4: Oh, it's tough, yeah. Singing the high notes, yeah. If you get that, you just kind of pretend you're yawning, get the whole lift-yourself palette. I used to be yeah. a fire dork, so It's second nature by this point. Yeah. But,
0: but the low stuff, fucking, I don't know. So I, I sing like a, you know, I sing, I can sing in the fucking little choir boy range, but <laughs> not and a then, man. I still get oh. called man on the phone. When I'm 27 years old.
4: <laughs> hey, 27, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so then did you know that you could sing or were you just like screw guitar? I want to just try choir or did you kind of I knew know that, that I had... could
0: sing? I knew that I could sing, but it wasn't like, um, I thought at the time, you know, being like a big John Mayer fan growing up that it was like, Ooh, it's fucking not cool to be just a singer. You can't say that you're a singer. Singers don't have any skill or talent or anything like that. You know, it's like, it was like this kind of guitarist mentality of like, no, if you're fucking a real performer, you got to be able to solo. And I just kind of like it was. It's this mentality that that you see a lot at Berkeley because you know everybody, my every guy my age that has touched a guitar is a John Mayer fan, and so, so I think they've all seen the same interviews and everything like that where he, he's talked about that before. And and but it's at one point I was just like, no, I'm so much better at singing than I am at guitar. Let's just focus on that. That worked. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's so funny. So I actually a friend of mine from high school. He went to Berkeley and total, he was a guitar player and total John Mayer fan. Just everything you said was what he was. So that was just funny (laughs) to see, but oh my God, literally just like that. My goodness. Um, So what music are you guys listening to right now? That's totally opposite than what you guys
0: produce. No, good question. Um, We listen between everybody in the band. We listen to a massively wider range wide range of like music. I mean, from rock to hip hop to R and B to jazz. And it's like everybody in the band listens to something different. And, uh, I think something I've been into a lot, fucking Oliver tree. Have you heard oh, of him? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm listening to a lot of him. He's amazing. I think the artists that I'm usually really drawn to and I get obsessed with are the ones that create sounds that are just so beyond weird yet they put like really hooky melodies into them. Mm -hmm. I just get obsessed with them. So like Oliver Tree, St. Vincent, I mean, those are the two that have always stuck out to me the most. I saw St. Vincent live. I hadn't even heard of her. I hadn't even heard her music. Somebody had just told me at the place that I worked when I lived in Boston about her. And I landed um, two free tickets to Boston Calling because one of my friends uh, wrote this story about this like mentor that he had. Mm-hmm. on this page that was all about like mentors and it was like, tell us a story of your mentor and we'll give you two free tickets to Boston calling. <laughs> and uh, so he just fucking made up a story. I yeah. got two free tickets, but then he couldn't go. So he gave them to me. And so we go there and uh, I saw St. Vincent live and I was like, what in the fuck? Like this, mm-hmm. it was to this day, the most insane live show I've ever seen. It was, I, it was just so cool and she was just so captivating and the sounds were so bizarre. So that, I mean, so, this hasn't come out anything in the past year or two. Year, but. yeah. It kind
4: of though when you say that and how you like bands that kind of get those weird sounds, or you're just kind of like, what the fuck is this? So for mm-hmm. me, when you guys came out with Swarm with that whole, where did you? The re- Jack was that really like to like mimic bees?
0: Um, you, you guys are sound sounded like, like that.
4: Because I remember you guys were doing some Q and A while you guys were on tour, and somebody was like, "What's the inspiration for Swarm?" and you responded with bees. And I was like, "I mean, (laughs) that could not be. I don't know if you're just fucking around and trolling right now, but that." Yeah, we were just being stupid.
0: (laughs) We were just being stupid. But the the sound, the sound that we got from that was just. I mean, Jack had that riff. He just went no 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 no, because we use this fretless guitar that allows us to get these like really kind of strange sounds, Mm -hmm. and uh, that was just something that came out. And he and he was like, "You guys want to like." play with it and I was like yeah yeah and it was me Jack and then our original bassist Nick at the time mm-hmm. and um we sat he they were just like Jack just sing something over it and so I went and sat down and I just sang the verse over it and the chorus I just didn't even second I second guess it and then went back and wrote lyrics later for the chorus and uh and, I mean, out. It the song? Kind of all came together, but yeah, those weird sounds, I mean, to this day, like, I love, I know Swarm didn't do great, because it's, you know, not the most accessible song, but like, I fucking love that song, and the music video that we made for it is my favorite music video that we've ever done, and it's yeah, just a, a hype Yeah, that's one. I it's
4: so good, it. and I love when you guys do it live, and you do your whole crowd surfing, and then, oh my god, <laughs> it's great, and then I remember... Second time I saw you guys was at the Roxy when you opened for the score and there wasn't a big enough crowd for you to crowd surf, but then you made Jackie like go down and play the end of the song. So he comes out and plays the guitar and I was all around him like, yeah, just getting into it. Yeah. That's um, so cool. <laughs> it was great. I do. If I may ask what happened with Nick, I'm obviously, we love Dylan. He's fucking great, but I yeah. just I don't know. And if I'm allowed to ask,
0: I'm going to. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. No, we can talk about it. I'll talk about anything. Um. So Nick, Nick, got a job offer back in Boston. Okay. And, um, he missed the area and we all knew that. And, and it was a really good offer and something that we don't blame him for not, not being going part of and, and yeah. being a part of. And so we just kind of, you know, he moved back there and we tried to make it work for a little while and it just, you need kind of everybody in the same spot. So we just parted ways and I'm still, I mean, he's still one of my best friends. I talk to him every month and, lets me know what's going on and everything. And he's still doing his thing over on the over on the East Coast back in Boston. But um, yeah, so Dylan's been kind of a fill-in for ever since we started the band. And so we were just kind of like, well, it makes sense to bring him on. Do you yeah. want to play bass for us? And he was like, yeah.
4: Well, that's good. I love hearing that it wasn't like, anything bad you guys are all still on good terms with him so that's just because i had no idea i was like you i as a person i feel like you always expect the worst it's like oh what crazy drama went down with them like why yeah yeah no yeah, so. nah, it wasn't
0: that at all it wasn't that at all we so we all still love him to death
4: oh good he's still supporting you guys and everything cool yeah do you have a favorite lyric you have written
0: <clears throat> yeah and it's in the new album
4: do we get to hear what that lyric is? Because we don't know what the song is or anything.
0: Mm. <laughs> you know, I would just say that, I mean, amongst the music that we've come out with, I can give you that. So, that works. Um, what would that be? I think either Encoda either or... I forgot which music we've released. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think "Into deep, I'm pretty proud of the lyrics in that one. Um, like, uh, cause I, "Into deep kind of came together about a year ago. I'd say I was home visiting one of my friends in Virginia and um, he just bought a house mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of like a big first step for somebody. And we were all hanging out and talking about it. And all my friends were asking me how the band was going and whatnot. And then I went home and I just kind of feel felt like, like what the fuck am I doing in my life? Like all my friends have careers and they have, you know, savings and they're buying houses. It was like, and I'm still doing the same thing I was doing at 18 years old and, you know, trying to make it in a in a band. And, um, and so I, I kind of just shout out that all the, the verses and, um, we had an, uh, another chorus that was awful and we ditched that one for this, for the one that came out. But, um, I think the lyrics in, "Into deep, the verse really, really ring true with me. Cause it's just, it's all facts and thoughts of mine. Yeah. About life. And, total, total.
4: I, yeah. and I know like in my article that I wrote about in too deep, I think just with that song too, why it's so great and why it's so relatable is yeah obviously the words kind of are very direct with what they're about like your friend buying his house blah 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 but at the end of the day it's like even if you are the most successful person there's still something going on with you that you wish you could change or anything like that so I just love the fact that any type of person can listen to that song and still relate to it so and I think
0: creatives creatives at at you know especially Relate to that anybody that's trying to make it in a field where the only person that cares about it is you. Yeah. You know, you have to keep the ship going. Nobody else is going to do it. Nobody cares, you know? Oh yeah. And, and I think that that's a huge thing because the whole song is about the fact that you're addicted to this lifestyle Mm -hmm. and this career path that is destructive, but you love every second of it,
4: you know? Totally. Totally. It's such a good song. I just still, I can't stop listening to it. I listen to it probably three times a day at least. So oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> I swear it's great. Um, <laughs> do you have a certain like creative space that you like to write in at all?
0: <clears throat> yeah, actually. Um, I find that I write best. I write the absolute best when I am doing something else. Ah. So, like, if I'm driving in the car, that's where I come up with a lot of melodies and riffs in my head. And um, back when I was in Boston, I would come up with them while I was on the T, you know, riding back home, or like in class. Yeah, you'd know, be talking, and I'd be thinking in my head, and I'd leave the classroom to go sing something into my phone, and then come back. Oh, that's and, so um, great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, those things. I find that when I get to a new location, that makes it very easy. Too. So if I go back home to Virginia mm-hmm. or if I go to Boston, I find that I, that I'll be able to write things very easily. Um, we have another, we have a new song coming out, um, with the album and, uh, it's a song that, that I completely wrote. Not, not at the Yeah. I didn't write it at home. I wrote it in an airplane and I wrote it in Boston in a music store. I <laughs> was where almost all of it came together and then the outro we wrote in the band room but yeah most of the song came from those two locations
4: that's so cool that you can do that I wish I had the abilities to just <laughs> whip out a song whenever oh my goodness oh
0: well it's <laughs> not whenever I wish it was whenever but you know sometimes it's a real fucking struggle to get yeah. something new but yeah
4: how about this do you prefer writing sober or do you like to have like some weed have a little drink
0: I write the majority of stuff sober. I mean like a lot of people can operate high. I mean like my whole band pretty much operates high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're they they love they love writing that way and you know, they love uh performing. You know, some of us love performing that way. But you know, like um for me it's I've always been like sober when I write. Maybe a drink or two, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean getting a little drunk like uh sometimes will Take you, it, it will get you to not judge yourself as much, which is usually the best when you're trying to like flow. But for the most part, I mean, like, I don't smoke at all. I drink, but I don't smoke, and and I just find that when I'm sober but distracted, I can write my best because I'm not judging it because I'm doing something else. But you know, I've never really written high before. I become incapacitated. When I <laughs> you're yeah. just that person. I'm a like, useless huh? fucking blob. <laughs> 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 give him some snacks
4: and don't bother him folks yeah exactly <laughs> that's great so obviously i want to ask you when the new album is coming out i'm sure you're not allowed to tell me can you tell me mm-hmm. anything uh I dig dig keep an eye much. out early
0: 2021 i would say early 2021 early 2021 and um and uh we got a couple you know couple more singles coming out coda and then we're going to do one more after that i think i think right now that's the plan and then we'll have a focus track when the album drops but i'm i'm so excited for this album i think something i can tell you about is um this album i you know I, anybody who's a fan of our band knows that we release a very 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 wide range of within the rock genre we we, people constantly think that we're changing our sound but in reality it's that we don't try to do we don't try to fit into a box we don't try to write a certain way we Mm -hmm. always let the song dictate where it goes and how it sounds and so that's something that I don't think a lot of people understood for a while especially like labels um and we've had, you know, we had a lot of trouble getting signed. One, probably because we sucked, but also at the same time, that's probably the main, the main reason. But, but also at the same time, constant feedback we got was people, they're still looking for their sound. And our response to it was like, no, you just don't get it. Like, yeah. we write like Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. Nobody else writes the way we write. We write like our band. And that might come out in a heavy song. It might come out in a more folky song. It might come out in like a slow more Coldplay kind of song, you know, but it's just, no matter what, it's always going to sound like us, but it's all going to sound different. And so we have songs that in this new album that derive heavily from Swarm, but they're more Ooh. like fucking head, you know, not head bangers, but, you know, you can kind of like chill to them. And, uh, but they're heavy. And then we have, you know, more of our blues rock kind of mixed with the weird sounds kind of stuff like Burry Me Hole or mm-hmm. Low Air. Then we have songs like Coda. Then we have more like alt songs, and then we have a folk song as well. It's just like, oh, the whole album sounds so different. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing sounds so different. I'm so excited to release it because it's, it's, it's the. I think a big objective for us was that when we released the album, we wanted it to be, we wanted it to be something that you could listen to front to back without getting bored. Okay. And that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it, we wanted it, all of your moods, all of the moods, and that I think I think we. I mean, I don't want to speak for myself, but I think we kind of nailed it with it. You know, because that was a big problem I always have with albums is that you listen to one artist and you get six songs in, and all of a sudden they all sound the same. You're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I'm bored now. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And they might be great songs, but you are like i just, listen just to this. It sounds tired. Like... Yeah, you get tired of you know the same thing over and over. So. So uh, we wanted to make an album where you could listen to it front to back and not be bored. Well, good for you guys. And also I have to
4: commend you because being a new band and trying to get that record label and everything, it could have been so easy for you guys to be like, okay, this is the sound that we do best or that people like the best. Let's just stick with that. Get our record label, get signed and go from there. But you guys were like, fuck that. No, we're a Dead Poet Society. We have a way that we do this. We like the way that we do this. And we're not going to change that for somebody because we're proud of what we're doing. Yeah. So I think that's amazing of you guys. I hope that's something that you always keep up doing and <laughs> I just commend yeah, you for no.
0: it. I mean, the reason we do this is, I mean, we're in a, we're in a genre that, that isn't really that popular. So you couldn't do it for the money. You couldn't do it for anything else. You do it because you fucking love the art of it. And, yeah. um, and we're, you know, we're just going to keep doing us. And right now we have an amazing team that finally understands what we're trying to do. And they're behind us 100%. And they're fucking awesome. And uh, it's growing. It's growing. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WeRDPS And Facebook.com forward slash Dead Poets Society Band. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Xbox Music, everywhere.
4: It's great. I definitely feel like you guys are going to have a very bright future. And I am so excited to be able to follow it.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, Allie.
4: Of course. Well, Jack, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank um, you I am me. so excited for Coda to be come out or to come out with the new mixing and everything, new album, videos. You guys are just awesome, and I can't wait.
0: Oh, well, you guys are awesome, too. Thanks for letting us do this. Of course. All, All, right, All, right. All right, Allie.
1: All right, thank you for that, Ali, and remember to check out the band's website at com for more information and links to all of Dead Poet Society's social media accounts so that you can follow them and stay up to date. And if you want to see this interview, be sure to check it out on Concert Crap's YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, and share. We totally appreciate it. And for all things Concert Crap, including links to all of our social media accounts and for additional content, including Ali's article on Dead Poet Society and their new single, In Too Deep, visit concertcrap.com. There you'll find many more articles from our contributors, including those you've heard on today's show, and many more, including the editor-in-chief and creator of Concert Crap, Corey Kleinsasser. Got to give Corey a shout-out, he wasn't on today's show, but hey, I know you're listening, Corey. Hi, Corey! Alright, now on behalf of everyone here at Concert Crap, I'm Chris Ventura. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.